Good morning, JRC. You know that movie? That's one of my favorite movies. Glad you guys are here this morning with us. Some of you in person, and I know some of our friends are online because there's a bug going around and there's a few sickies, so glad you stayed home. Thank you for not making us all sick for Christmas. And so I'm glad you are here. I'm glad I'm here, and I hope you're glad that you're here, and I hope that you know that I'm glad that you're here. Cover all those bases. All right. All right. So let's declare together our church's mission statement. Ready? What do we do? We love God and we love others. And what do we say? I love God and I love you. Fantastic. One week until Christmas. Uh, super weird. Lots going on. Even our Pastor Peter, they decided to have a Christmas present. Uh, I think they're going to be due either to tomorrow or Tuesday. Pastor Peter and Christina are going to welcome a new baby. So that's a fantastic Christmas present, right? I mean, it's a wonderful Christmas present, and they will be tired for this next week. And so uh, bless them. If you could pray for them, that'd be fantastic. Uh, we're going to celebrate together next Sunday in the morning, actually at church. It's Christmas Eve, but Christmas Eve morning. We don't have Christmas Eve service, even though it's on Christmas Eve day. 1030, right here. Come on out. And uh, we're going to finish our series that day. Our series is Jesus's Miracles with the Miracle of Christmas. Now today we're on our fourth week of this series, and uh, so far Jesus has demonstrated his power through his miracles, his power over nature, he's, uh, by calming the waves, he, he demonstrated his power over physics by walking on water, power over paralysis by healing the lame, power over sin, power over infirmity and blindness, and power over the spiritual realm. All to prove that he is who he says he is, and he can do the things that he says he can do. Because it's one thing to claim to be God, and it's a completely another to prove it. And Jesus does both. So let's revisit our, our warm-up verses that we're using through this series. It's in Matthew 15, 29. Jesus left there, and he went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up to a mountainside, and he sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and they laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when he... When they saw the mute speaking and the crippled made well and the lame walking and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. So each time that Jesus does a miracle, we're going to be looking at two things. We're going to be looking at the miracle itself, and then we're going to look at what does this show about Jesus. And we've been doing the same format for this whole series. So today we're going to see Jesus raise the dead, demonstrating that he has power over death. That's getting pretty serious here, that kind of miracle. So let's check out our first one. It's in Luke chapter 7. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As they approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he told her, don't cry. Then he went up and he touched the bier that they were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead man sat up. They began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. And they were all filled with awe. And they praised God. And they were like, a great prophet appeared among us. And they were saying, and, and God has come to help his people. And this news about, uh, about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. So we're really upping the ante on our miracles here. You know, it's not just like a crippled guy or a blind guy or a deaf guy. Now we're talking about bringing someone back to life from the dead. 
Even genie from Aladdin couldn't do that. And so we're talking about incredible power. Jesus is like so low-key powerful. He doesn't even like wave his hands or like do anything. He goes up and he's like, oh, the guy's dead. Hey, kid, get up. And the guy's like, boom, sits up, starts talking and goes back with his family. Everyone, as they watch this, is in awe. You think? Now, we read the Bible, right? And so it sort of just becomes like, oh, it's just like a story. But I always try to encourage myself, put yourself there. You're at this funeral. You're carrying your cousin or your friend or whoever this guy is to you out. And then all of a sudden, some random teacher comes up and he says, hey, you know what? Oh, let's see you. Oh, get up. And the guy pops up out of the dead. Terrible. I don't like scary stuff, but that would be scary. And then you'd be happy. But it would be really scary at first. He just comes back from, from the dead? That doesn't happen. That's not reality. That's not in the scope of how things normally work. And so it would have been, of course, awe-inspiring, like, what the heck is going on? What does it show us about Jesus? It shows us that Jesus has the power over physical death. Now, we know only God can grant life and death, and Jesus claims to have power over both of them. But this also has a supernatural spiritual parallel that we'll look at a little bit later, his ability to cause someone to gain life from death. And lastly, I want to be reminded of the response of the people when they interact with this miracle. Their response is worship and adoration of God. Their response to the miracle is like, God, we're seeing you do something amazing. They're not like, whoa, this is random and happy. They're like, God, this is worship to you. Only you can do this, God. Jesus' miracles elicit an internal wonder of God and an exclamation externally of that. So as we experience God and as we walk in him, there's an internal recognition of God, and then there has to be an external expression of that same wonder. So just so you know it's not a one-off or it wasn't an accident or a setup, Jesus does it again. He raises more than one person from death to life. So here's the next one. Here's the miracle in Luke chapter 8. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. And then there was a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and he fell at Jesus' feet and he was pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a, a girl of about 12, she's dying. And then uh, there was this, there's a break in the verses here where this lady comes and gets healed by Jesus. And while that's happening, this man's servants come up to him. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus and the, the synagogue leader and, and they told him, your daughter's dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Now, hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, hey, don't be afraid. Just believe. And she'll be healed. Oh, that's a tough one. Don't be afraid. Just believe and she'll be healed. They just said she was dead. When Jesus arrived at the house of Jairus, he didn't let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, child's mother and, and father. And meanwhile, all the people were wailing and they're mourning for her. And Jesus says, stop wailing, she, he says. She's not dead, she's asleep. And then like, you know, like sometimes you laugh in, in the inappropriate time, it's a funeral or whatever, that's sort of what happened because someone said something nonsense. 
Like, we know what dead people are. She's dead. And they laughed at him, knowing that she's dead. But then he took her by the hand, and he said, my child, get up. And her spirit returns, and at once she stood up, and Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished. But he ordered them not to tell anyone what's happening. And so this whole thing is pretty wild now. So Jesus had already healed someone a little bit earlier. Now he's healed another person from the dead. And did you notice who came up to him? Maybe it slipped by you. Who was the guy that showed up? Jairus, the synagogue leader. Synagogue is the the Jewish temple. So not all of the Jewish leaders were against Jesus, and not all of the Jewish leaders didn't believe in him. This guy was either believed Jesus could do it or desperate enough to even ask even if all his friends are going to be maybe against him. But that's how it is when you're with your kid. You'll do anything if there was even a chance to help him. And so we see this guy come up, and Jesus asks him about his faith. He says, do you believe, you know? The faith of the asker comes uh, into play again. The person asking for the miracle, their, their faith seems to matter. And, and I talked about this a little before a couple of weeks ago, but and I'm not sure the measure of this, or I'm not sure even what to do with that information, that the faith of the asker matters, but it does. It does matter if we believe or don't believe, if we, if we think that God can do it or he can't do it, and, and that, that's our part to, to know, to, to have faith in it, even when we can't see it, even when it seems impossible. But, but remember what Jesus said, that faith, even as small as a mustard seed, could do the impossible. So I often say, look, I don't have the faith of the mountain. Guys, I don't have a mountain full of faith. And I'm fully honest, even as your pastor, I don't have a mountain of faith. But, but I got a grain. I got a little bit. And God says, that's enough. Just a tiny bit. And the impossible can be possible. Then why did Jesus tell these people not to talk about it? Why do you at the end here, he says, hey, don't tell anybody what just happened. And the why is a really hard question. It's almost never answered in the Bible. And so sometimes we have to guess. And I'll give you a couple of my guesses why Jesus says this. The first is Jesus isn't on earth primarily to do miracles. He's on earth primarily to tell the gospel, to tell that there's a new way to God, to tell that he's going to redeem people from their sins so they can have access to God. And, and sometimes miracles can distract from the message if you're not careful. Like I mentioned earlier, parents will do anything or say anything. If I thought this guy could heal my kid and that my kid had died, and I thought that they could heal my kid, I don't care what they tell me to say. I'm going to say it. I don't care what they tell me. I'm going to do it. They say, chop your hand off. I'll chop my hand off. They say, shake a chicken bone. I'll shake a chicken bone. I don't care. That's how much parents care about their kids And you have to be careful because then that becomes the thing rather than the more important but less urgent, the message of salvation. See, in the heart of the parent, the urgency and the importance is the sick child. But in reality, the the bigger picture, the message that not only you and your child could get saved, but the whole world could get saved, that's that's a more important message. And so Jesus tells them, hey, be careful about spreading it, because I'm not here as a miracle worker. I'm here as a gospel bringer, good news teller, and the way, the truth, and life. I'm the access way to heaven. 
And the other thing I think he doesn't uh, want people to do, you, did you see what uh, our warm-up verse showed this? When people had a blind friend or a deaf friend, what would they do? They were bringing them to Jesus. Wherever they could find Jesus, they were bringing their friends. And so I don't think Jesus wants people digging up dead grandma to try to bring her all over the land to find Jesus so maybe he'll heal grandma, right? Or like, oh man, remember our cousin died? Let's go find that body. And like, they try to carry it around and get it to Jesus. So I think that that's problematic as well. And so he knows people are prone to do this. And he says, hey, let's keep this kind of on the DL a little bit. Uh, I doubt if they listen, but, you know, he, he tries to tell them anyway. What does this show us about Jesus? It, it shows that he is indeed powerful and that he's open about it and that he uses that power to help or benefit people. And the other thing I think it shows about Jesus is Jesus can do the impossible. And that wasn't just then. That, that comes to our nowadays our Jesus, who is alive, resurrected, we celebrate that on Easter, can do the impossible. And sometimes we face situations in life that feel impossible. They feel too much for us to handle. They feel overwhelming. They feel like there is no answer to this. And the only place to turn is to the one who can do the impossible. Now, that doesn't mean God is going to heal all of our grandmas. It doesn't mean that uh, we're never going to get sick. It doesn't mean any of those things. But he is the only one who can do those. And so I place my faith, my grain, <laughs> in the hands of God, the only one who can do the impossible. And Jesus is demonstrating that. Let's see it here again a third time, just so you know it's not a coincidence at all. John chapter 11. Jesus once more moved deeply, came to the tomb. This is actually of a friend of his named Lazarus. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. And Jesus says, take away the stone, he says. But Lord, said Martha, Martha's this guy, dead guy's sister, the sister of the dead man says, uh, by this time, there's a bad odor. He's been in there for four days. <laughs> He's been dead four days. Don't open the tomb. Don't roll that stone away. No, now we sing that song. Roll that stone away. She's like, don't roll that stone away. We knows what's in there. It's like a decaying corpse that's been there for four days. Don't open that door. Uh, and Jesus said, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? So they took the stone away. And Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you. This is really important that he's praying out loud here. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and feet were still wrapped in his burial clothes. And uh, there was a cloth over his face because that's how they buried their dead back then. And Jesus said to him, hey, take off those gray clothes and let them go. Now, they usually put, they wrap them up and they put spices and cloth all around the, like, almost mummified. So this guy's like, he's probably still stinky, right? Because the stink didn't go away just because you became alive again. You know, after you go dig outside, just because you come inside doesn't mean you're not smelly. <laughs> like, you got to go take a shower. And so this guy's come out all stinky, all crazy like this. And, uh, and Jesus like, hey, there you go. He's back again. See the faith? We see again that the faith of the people matter. He says, like, if you just believe, then you'll be able to see the, the glory and the wonders of God. And so what does it show about Jesus? Again, the miracle to show the truth of the unseen with the seen. Because it's one thing to claim to be God and a whole nother to prove it. So that's why he says, hey, I'm going to pray out loud, you guys, so that you can hear me praying. God, you're going to be glorified in this next moment for what's about to happen. 
God, it's all you. So when something happens in just a second, we're going to magnify you. All right, Lazarus, come out. And then he comes out, and they're like, oh, it's magic. No, I told you ahead of time. I prayed that so you could hear it. And that's what Jesus is doing constantly. Remember, all of his miracles are to prove that he is who he says he is. And that when he says something that we can't see, we can have faith in it because he's demonstrated by stuff we can see. So when God says, like, I can forgive your sins, you can't see that. But Jesus has demonstrated power over all these things that we've seen in the last four weeks so that his demonstration of the seen proves out the things that are unseen. So I can have confidence, even though, like, I can't see that when I die I'll go to heaven, but I have confidence that that truth is a reality because of all the things that Jesus did to prove that to be the case. So now for our last miracle of the, day, uh, of the day. It's Jesus raising us from the dead. Check this out in 1 Corinthians. Here's the miracle. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, Adam, the resurrection of the dead comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ we will be made alive. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I'm going to tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, the mortal with the immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, death is your, where, O death, is your victory? Where, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, he gives us victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord will not be in vain. So this is telling us that, that Jesus has promised that we too will be raised. Now, I don't happen to be dead right now, but I'm going to be. Could be in a minute. Oh, not a heart attack right now, but it could have been. You never know. Could be on the way home. Could be in 50 years. Uh, probably not. Okay. <laughs> could be. That'd be, that'd be rough, but it could be. But Jesus says you'll be raised again. Now, a couple of weeks ago, uh, my stepmom went to the hospital. Um, she was, uh, she's been sick for a long time. Went to the hospital. I uh, know she didn't want to be there, and she certainly didn't want to die in the hospital, and she seemed like she was nearing the end. And so I had her transferred back to her home and, you know, took her to her house and as I stay the night there, about 1.45 in the morning, I stop hearing her breathe, and she passes away. And it's sort of just me and her, you know, or, or what was her? Because, it, and this has been the case every time I've been around a person who's passed away where their body is just there, that it's extremely unnatural. Like, it, it's their face and stuff, but it's not them. Like, it's their body, but this isn't how it's supposed to be. Like, 
something's wrong, something's not right. It's, it's discordant to see like a, a body without a soul. And I was struck at how unnatural it seems, and, and that's because it is. Human beings were meant to live forever. When God created them, Adam and Eve, there was not physical death available. When God created Adam and Eve, their soul and their body were supposed to stay together. They were never supposed to physically die, and they were never supposed to spiritually die. That's how they were created. And so when we see a body that doesn't have a soul, that's not, it's not right. It's weird. It's, it's not good. It's, it's unnatural. And I hope that whenever you see that, you feel that way because it reminds us that is not how it's supposed to be. It came to be that way because of sin. Death entered into the world because of the sin of Adam and Eve. But death entered the, into my world because of my own sin. And so we all experience physical death because of sin. But each of us experience spiritual death because we reject God until we don't. Until God says, I'm going to resurrect your dead soul. And then so we get that first part now. We accept Jesus as our Savior and our soul is resurrected. And God says, don't worry, that's not it. When you physically die, you'll be dead for a minute. But when the trumpet blares at the end, I'm going to raise up your body. I got, don't worry, I got your DNA blueprint in case you thought you were going to disintegrate into the earth. You know, circle of life and all that Simba stuff. He said, I got your blueprint. I'm going to raise you a new, different kind of body that's imperishable. I'm going to take your perfect soul and I'm going to smash that together with your perfect body while you exist forever. Because that's the way you were meant to be. Human beings were meant to be alive with a body and a soul together. The only reason that they're not because, is because of sin. That's it. Because Adam and Eve rejected God, broke the world, broke the physicality, brought death into the world, and that we reject God, which breaks the soul, our separation from God. And, and Jesus, we see today, we see him raise a dead boy, and we see him raise a dead girl, and then raise a dead man, and he raises us as well. Death has no sting. There's no worry. Because I believe Jesus' words are accurate. When he says, I will resurrect you again, even though you die, you won't be dead. Even though you're going to be in this unnatural state for a minute, that's not how it's going to finish. I will put your perfect soul back with your perfect body. Jesus will restore both our physical and spiritual bodies. This is the hope of Christianity. This is what we believe and hope in. That's the whole thing. And we believe it because Jesus said it, but not just because he said it, but he also demonstrated that he had power over life and death in the most visible way possible by raising actual people from the dead and then ultimately raising himself from the dead. The damage that was done through Adam and Eve sinning at the beginning and the damage that's done through my own sin are all repaired and restored through Jesus so I can have a right relationship with God and I can have a right relationship with all things physical in the universe at the end. So it will be back to perfection, where, where those of us who have accepted Christ our Savior will be in perfection again, both physical and spiritual, connected to God, and no longer in a broken world. He will in the future raise our dead physical bodies and give us perfected ones, raise our dead souls that he's already doing now and give us perfect ones. And thanks be to God. He gives us victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if that's not worth celebrating, as we especially come to Christmas, that's the whole reason Jesus came. I don't know what is. So I'm going to ask you to stand up.
I'm going to ask us to sort of thank Jesus for the power over death. And I want, to, I want to say this. Thank you, Jesus, that you raised the dead physically and spiritually for all eternity. And Jesus, we turn to you in faith. Maybe we just have a grain worth, but we trust you to raise us to life. You said that you would and that you proved that you could. And so, Jesus, we worship you. And we're going to close our service with some worship. Thank you.